What an awesome truth, an awesome fact that there are none who have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ that are ever abandoned. They're never with, we're never without a father. We always have a dad. He is the God of glory. He is the master of all. He is our sovereign king. He is our Lord. And he gives us in this day this, this glorious opportunity, this wonderful, this wonderful gift to be able to call upon his name, to look to him. Man, that's heavy. Goodness. Greg, we're going to have to get somebody else to do that from now on. Jeff, I assign that to you, man. That's tough. I think I pulled my back out. God did not give me the strength to do that. I tried to do that in the flesh, and that's what happens, right? I'm just kidding. I'm fine. But we're, we're, when you think about the power of God and you think about what it means to live in His power, it, it tells me that we are in it's an amazing time, an amazing time in the world. You guys know the story. You guys, I, I, you may know the story. The, the story of the Bible is the story of the world. There is a single story. There's a single storyline in all of human reality, and it's revealed in Scripture. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. Right now, we live in the time of the rescue. Yes, there was a time when everything was in harmony. God made it that way. But yes, there was a fall, and now there's sin and darkness and pain. There are orphans, and there's death, and there's abortion, and there's all kinds of, of sickness and, and just evil. But God has not abandoned humanity. He's not abandoned us in this darkness and sin. Instead, God chose to send His Son, son Jesus Christ. And so now, all who come to Him are able to live in Him. And one day, He's going to return. But guys, right now, I want you to think about this. Right now, we have a unique opportunity as the children of God. Right now, we get to fight against darkness. Right now, we get to invade darkness with light. Right now, we get to stand for God in hostile territory and to make sacrifices and to serve His holy name and bring Him glory in a very unique and powerful way as we live dependent upon Him, abiding in Him. There's going to come a time in restoration when we will never again have this opportunity. I want you to think about that for a moment. There will come a day when there will not be an opportunity to reach out to a lost person. There will come a day when there will not be an opportunity to make sacrificial gifts and offerings of time and money for the kingdom of God. There's going to come a day when there will be complete harmony and peace. And there will be nothing for us to do except give praise and glory and honor and to rest and bask in, in His glory. But right now, we're in the battle. And right now, we get to stand for God in the, in, the, in the face of evil and darkness and proclaim His grace and His goodness and the fact that we have a Savior who has come to rescue us. And in order to do that well, all we have to do is abide in Christ. All we have to do is to rest in His power, rest in who He is and what He's done in the Gospel, and then proclaim, simply proclaim, He is our God. This is what He has done. We believe in Him. And as we do that, we abide in His presence. And if we don't abide in His presence, we will get whooped. We will be beaten down spiritually and emotionally, and it will impact us physically. It will impact our lives. It will bring darkness and pain. But if we will abide in Christ, we can stand in His light and His love and our lives can make a difference. But we are in hostile territory. We're in a very dark place. Our world is a very dark place. And we need the presence of God to live with any kind of hope 
you know, years ago, I had the opportunity to, to go to the Nashville prison in downtown Nashville. And it's a multi-level, multi-layered just containment of evil. And a friend of mine was a guard there. He asked me to come and tour it. He wanted me to see it when it was new. And I was a little nervous about going, of course, because of just the, the evil that was there. What made it even worse was he worked on the night shift, and so we went about midnight, and so it pitch black dark, and, and there were just very few lights on. And he walked me through all the levels of containment and actually took me into to one of the areas where some of the worst criminals were, and I was, man, you talk about abiding. I was like up behind this guy who was my friend and who was this prison guard who knew this area, and unbeknownst to me, the prisoners could see us. I, I did not know that. I didn't know that. And there was some glass there, and I didn't know that they were all filled. But one of the prisoners banged on the window right as I went by, and it scared me to death. I literally ran over the top of the guard who was hosting me and began to run down the hall. And the only thing that stopped me was, Jason, Jason, they don't know that you're coming there. You don't need to run anymore. And I just stopped. I mean, I'm in breakdown position. And he comes up. I, I literally ran his shoes off of him. I stepped on his shoes and knocked him down. And he, got, he was laughing so hard. He's like, man, you almost made me set off my firearm. This would have been a really bad thing. I said, that scared me to death. He said, man, listen, as long as you are with me, you're safe. You need to understand, I have the authority to be here. And if anything happens, I will protect you. But you've got to stay with me and quit running over me. God says to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are mine. Yes, you're in confinement of evil. Yes, there is darkness. Yes, there is much that can cause you fear. But if you will abide with Jesus, He says, I will lead you through. I will protect you. I know where we're going. I know what we're doing. Stay with me. In our text today, this is what we see God saying so clearly. This hope that God gives, it's a real hope. And it's a hope that inspires us to abide with Jesus. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out now and turn with me to 1 John. As we are in this year of hope, we are walking verse by verse through 1 John to understand this hope. So today we come to 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 23 and 24. And Tyler Lucas is going to read for us. So Tyler, why don't you come on up, buddy? And let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Tyler's going to read for us our text today. Again, we're in 1 uh, John Chapter 3, he's going to read for us now, and I'm going to teach from verse 23 and 24. If you would, go ahead, buddy. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. Hi, my name is Megan. Here's what's going on at Living Hope. Today is the day to become a part of our church family. Join us for our Discovering Hope class today at 1230 in the Fellowship Hall and learn what it means to be a member of Living Hope. Lunch will be served. 
The culture around us is constantly changing, and change is often accompanied by significant challenges. So how does the call of Christ compel us to respond to these challenges? Secret Church will explore biblical foundations for answers to life's most difficult questions and teach us how Christ calls every Christian to engage culture with a firm grip on the gospel. Secret Church will be held Friday, April 24th from 6 p.m. to midnight. To sign up, visit us at the dugout or go to the registrations tab at gettogod.com. The cost is $5. Ladies, we all want a deeper prayer life, but kids and bills and deadlines and calendars always seem to get in the way of our good intentions. So join us for the next lift for women on Wednesday, April 29th. We'll begin with a meal at 5.30 in the Fellowship Hall, then move to the Worship Center and explore ways to enjoy a deeper prayer life. To learn more about what's going on at Living Hope, visit us online at gettogod.com and download our mobile app. Also, like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-the-minute news, happenings, and information here at church. Your hope is based on having a child or, or on a mate. Or, or on a friendship, or a job, or a title. Your hope will only last as long as that thing or that person is viable. But if it's a temporary thing, and here's what you know, it won't last. Jesus is God. He is eternal. He has existed before the creation of time and space. He will always be. And what He offers to us is a hope that is living. And this living hope, it inspires us. It enables us to understand and trust God. And when we trust God, we obey God. And it's when we abide in Jesus that we begin to obey Him. And that is always the result. Write it down. Obedience to God's commands is a result of abiding in Jesus. It is when we are with Him, living in Him, that, that we are able that we're able to look to God, find strength in God, and obey God, obey His commandments. Jesus said that, that He is the vine, that, that we are the branches. And if we will abide in Him, then we will have life and He will produce fruit. That is, good things in our lives. He has proven that He has loved us because He came and gave His life as a sacrifice. What we hear Jesus saying there in John 15, where He talks about being the vine, is the very thing we see in our text today in 1 John chapter 3. We see that, that Jesus, that, that, that has, as God, He is calling us to remain in Him and abide in Him. And when we abide in Jesus, we obey God's commands. It's just a natural outflow of, of who God is and what He's done. And so I want you to write this down. Let's begin to walk through this text. Let's begin to walk through 1 John chapter 3. And write this down. Understand, whoever obeys God's commands believes in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, you love others. To, to obey God's command, you've got to believe in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, it's going to lead you to love others. Look what it says in verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. You know, I, I get asked this from time to time by folks who attend our church and want to meet and understand a little bit more about what's going on in, in us and what we believe there are those who sometimes come and say, well, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? You know, you talk about repent and believe the gospel. What, what, what are the bare facts of that? Guys, there's, there's, there's some simple component parts. And, and, and you know these, but let me just throw them out there, just so you can just kind of have in your mind what we're talking about, especially if you don't believe. It means that you believe that Jesus is God. And for some of you, it's a big step. It's an easy step for me when I look at the New Testament and I see what He did 
what he said about himself, what he accomplished, I can see that he is God. Not only do we believe that he's God, we believe that the manifestation of that is that he was God in the flesh and that he lived a holy life. So not only was Jesus God, but he was God who, who came and lived a holy life. And, and, and to believe in him is to believe that he gave his life to die for our sin. He's the, he's the payment for our sin because the wages of sin is death. To believe in Jesus is to believe not only that he died and paid the penalty for sin, it is to believe that he has been resurrected and that he is now alive and that he sent his Holy Spirit, his very Spirit, to give us life. And that Spirit lives in us who believe so that we can abide in God. And we believe that Jesus is going to return again. And because he is going to return again, we have hope. And we, that hope causes us to look to God in all things, knowing that he is alive, knowing that he is going to return for us, knowing that we have a task now. And there is no greater task that any of us have other than this. Love God and love one another. When we believe in who Jesus is and what he's done, we are compelled to love him. And it enables us to love one another, to love with the love he's given. What does that look like? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, beginning of verse 4, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is the love God gives us. It's supernatural and it's powerful. Love is powerful. Love, love changes everything. I've seen love make a strong man weak. One of the strongest men I know. And when I say strong, I mean strong in faith in Christ, strong physically, strong mentally, strong emotionally. Man, someone I just admire and have great respect, but I will never forget watching him weak. Because love will make a strong man weak. His son became an addict to a drug. And this man, though he had wealth, could not buy his son's freedom from that addiction. And though he was strong, he could not force his son out of that addiction. And even though he was smart, he could not talk his son out of that addiction. And although he loved Jesus, he could not make his son believe in Jesus to be free. And so you know what was left for him to do? Weep. Sometimes all we can do is Trust in God and weep. And you know why he wept? Because he loved. Love will make a strong man weak. It'll make a weak person strong. I see this in many mothers. It's amazing to me the stories that are coming out right now about those who are murdering and then selling the, the body parts of children. I can't imagine a greater evil than what is being allowed in our land right now. And I can't imagine the judgment God is going to have to bring against us unless we stand up and say something and do something about this. And for the life of me, I don't know what to do. Our country has gotten so far gone from God that we would take the body of babies and do what is being done to them. But I see women, mothers, some who have been diagnosed with a sickness like cancer. Others who are just weak, who are saying, you know what? I know I'm weak. I know I'm sick. I know I'm broken, but I'm not going to do anything to protect my body because it would cause harm to my baby. And I think of the strength of these women 
who would say, I am going to, in my weakness, give life. And, and there is a strength in that faith. You know what love does? It makes a weak person strong. It makes a person who says, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do this, but my love compels me to do this. And there is a strength there. Love can make the foolish wise. The foolish wise. A young man who had a group of friends who were going out to do something, and that young man, because he loved his mom and dad, chose not to go along with the crowd. He was not wise enough to know that he shouldn't go. He wasn't wise enough to, to figure out that he, he was going to get into trouble if he went with it. He was able just to say, you know what? I love my mom and dad, and because I love them, I'm going to obey them, and I can't go. And that decision saved him prison time. Those children went out and got into trouble, and they were arrested. Some of them are in jail now. Some of them are going to face a lifetime of sorrow because of that decision. And I, I grieve for those other children, but I'm so thankful for this boy who made a decision to love his mom and dad. And love made the foolish wise. And love has the power to make the hopeless have hope. We see this in Hebrews chapter 11. We see this throughout all of Christian history as men and women who are faced with the difficult decision of either giving up their faith or dying have chosen death because of their hope. We see these Christians in Egypt and we see so many under, under the, these militant Muslim angry people killing them simply because they're Christians and they refuse to deny their hope. Why? Because, because they abide in Jesus. They obey Him because they love Him. And love has a power to change us and it enables us to obey. And, and write this down. Whoever obeys God's commands abides in God, and God abides in him or her. Verse 24 says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God abides in him. We are able to obey God simply because God is alive in us. We choose to obey him because we love him. Blackaby said this in his devotion yesterday. I, I, was, I was struck by this. I, I hope this, this comes up. I'm going to read it. I don't know if, it's, if I can't remember if I sent it in or not. Listen to this. You cannot regularly spend time studying and meditating on God's Word, praying and walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and persist in sin. It's impossible. If you are abiding in God, and God is abiding in you, that love will permeate your mindset. Doesn't mean you won't fall. Doesn't mean you won't falter. What it means is you will not persist in sin. If you are persisting in sin, here's the deal. It's not because you don't have the right willpower. It's because you're not abiding in Christ. It's because you are allowing parts of your life to exist without His presence. It's impossible to be meditating on the truth of God's Word and His promises and His love and to be living in His love and to disobey Him. God promises He will be with us. He promised that He will protect us, that He will guide us, and He will bless us. And He does that through the power of His Holy Spirit. His Word shows us the way, and His Spirit enables the way. And, and write this down. Whoever obeys God's commands has assurance in the Spirit. So if we're abiding in Him, and He is abiding in us, we have this hope, we have this assurance, verse 24, and by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit in whom He has given us. 
It is by the work of the Holy Spirit that we know we are alive in God. And that God is alive in us. And the Scripture shows us what it is to have this life. We have a unique, and again, I want you to check yourself. We have a unique spiritual and emotional and physical experience. We, we read about it in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. You know this one? For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Of power because God Almighty is alive in us. Of love because He has loved us with an eternal love. Self-control because His Spirit is guiding us in this truth. The Spirit of God assures us of our salvation. And we do not live in fear of death or any man or anything because the Spirit of God says, I love you. I'm alive in you. You can obey me by the power of the Spirit that is alive and at work in you. And that changes, changes the way we feel, changes the way we think, changes the way we live. And before we know it, we have what are called these, these unique life experiences, the fruits of the Spirit. You know these in Galatians 5, 22-25. But the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There, there's no way you can keep these as a bunch of rules. Here's my question. Does this describe you? Does this describe your life? Is your life a life of love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Is there kindness? Is there goodness? Is there faithfulness? Is it gentle? Is there self-control? This is the fruit of the Spirit. And when you abide in God, God's Spirit produces this in your life. And the signs of these realities give us assurance that we are right with God. And when we know that we are right with God and we are abiding with God and God is abiding in us, we have hope. And that hope inspires us to continue to abide with Jesus. So is that what you're doing today? Are you abiding in Jesus? Is He your strength? Is He your comfort? Is He your guide? Or are you trusting something else? I promise you this. Anything else that you might trust in will fail you. And even if you're hoping in it right now, even if you think you've got it all figured out right now, if it is a temporary thing, it's going to fail you. The only thing, the only person who will never fail you is Jesus Christ. He has defeated sin and He has conquered death. And if you will give Him your life, He will forgive you and He will abide in you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you abiding in Him? Is His love permeating your existence? If it is, it's changing you. If you are not experiencing the powerful work of God's Spirit in your life today, you need to change. You need to ask Him to do this. And some of you need to ask for more than that. See, here's what's going on in many lives that are in this room right now. You have trials and challenges. Your heart is breaking because of things that are going on, maybe in our country, maybe in your own family or your circle of friends. And you need God to manifest His power in a supernatural way. Let me tell you how He does that. He does it through the faithful prayer of the people who are abiding in Him 
and trusting in His power and His promises to accomplish His will. So here's the deal. If you're not in His will, if your sin has not been forgiven by Jesus by your faith, you can't ask God and you won't see those miracles. If you've asked Christ to forgive you, but you're not abiding in Him and you're trying to accomplish it on your own, you won't see those miracles. But I want to tell you this morning, you can come and get on your knees today and say, God, I give you my life. I want to abide in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live in you. I want you to live in me. And if God is living in you today, here's, here's the great thing you've got, we've got, is this. You can, with complete confidence, come down here, get on your knees as we sing of the mercy of God, and ask God to do anything in His name. And He can do it. You'll believe. And you'll pray according to His will. He can do it. Will you trust Him to do it? I want to invite you to trust Him to do that right now. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Father, we come into this moment of of response. We're going to sing of Your mercy. And as we do that, God, we have just a few moments here where anyone who wants to, they can come and get on their knees before You and ask You to do what only You can do, which is to forgive and pardon sin, which is to bring life and to abide in us which is to answer our prayers and do the miracles that we are trusting that only You can do. God, hear the prayers of those who come right now. And God, as we sing of Your mercy, may it, may it remind us of why we have such confidence and such hope in You. It's because of Your mercy. God, hear the prayers of Your people as they come now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come now and pray as God has led you as we sing of God's mercy.